The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. You know, every time I come, I, I enjoy your worship. Uh, Brother Zach does such a good job. Give, give God praise and give him a hand. He does a tremendous job. I felt this morning like I was in the island because, can I tell you a secret? the typical church. <laughs> Did you hear me over here? You're not the typical church. <laughs> like you raise your hands and you love Jesus. That's great. That's a good feeling. I didn't miss home being here because I felt so good. And you guys do such a great job at the singing. But there is one thing that always strikes me whenever I come. You sing these beautiful hymns, and then you sing one or two stanzas. And I'm thinking, like, in the Caribbean, this is what we do. Like, you sing all seven, and when you get to the end, it's like so good. You're like, let's go from the top, come back down again. <laughs> but it's good to be in the house of the Lord, and we I give God thanks for your pastor. Um, Pastor Jemo and the work that he's doing, and we just want to give God thanks for him. Amen. Amen. And all the leaders here at First Baptist, we just bless God for you and pray God's continued blessings upon you. Uh, as your pastor said, I attended Luther Rice, and I've known Vanessa, who is on your praise team, for as long as she's been alive. And um, yeah, and we want to thank God for, for her also, and for the blessing that she has been in my life and in our church, in, in missions, relations, uh, even before she was here at First Baptist when their parents were part of um, Eastside. And we want to thank God for that. And you know, God has a tremendous family all over the world. As your pastor was talking about missions, you know, we, we sometimes in our little space don't appreciate how vast God's family is and how we are part of a bigger picture. And even though we are not able to go and see and meet everyone, we thank God for the opportunity that will be ours, where the Word of God says one of these days we will all meet together, and we will see nations and kindreds and creeds and tribes and tongues that we've never even experienced in this earth. And so it's a wonderful thing for us to think of what God has prepared for us. Amen? I know we live in times that are challenging. How many of you believe that? These are challenging times. And, and in addition to COVID, I always like to remind our congregation and to remind people that COVID does not um, negate all of the other challenges that we've been having prior to COVID. You know, people being sick and um, just you name it. And, and these times are, are times of change and flux and uh, so much is going on in our lives. But I want to just challenge us to, to have faith in God. Amen? To go from a place of just knowing to experiencing and then to just resting in God where we have that peace that I know, I, I just don't know faith. I've experienced it. I've come to a point where I can literally be at peace knowing that God truly is sovereign and he's in control of everything. Give God some praise, somebody. And so I just want to encourage you and to, to let you know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. Amen. And as one songwriter says, God has not changed since the world started turning, since the sun began shining and there were clouds and wind. God has not changed since he loved the world so much that he came. He's faithful forever and it shall be that God has not changed. Amen. So I want to take this opportunity to share with you from God's Word, and uh, I promise that I'm going to be five minutes long. <laughs> now, every time I try at home and I tell them I'm going to be brief, I get in trouble. I can never be brief, but I like when I come to the States because uh, I have to follow the clock. We Caribbean people, we don't bother with that. We don't have no places to go and eat and all of that. We don't need to get there first. We just go home whenever we choose to. You know, and, and, and you just stay as long as you want. And you say, if you want to leave, you can leave. But then if you're leaving, ushers close the door. Nobody's leaving. You know, so, <laughs> so, so we stay forever. We just go on and on and on and on and on. But I'm not going to do you that. I'm going to be kind because I want you to invite me back. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to be very kind. All right. Bless your heart. Now, now I've, ho I've heard. <laughs> Amen. I've heard of a young preacher who graduated seminary and excited to go back to his, his home church and to preach and to let them know all that he learned in seminary and how God had really challenged his heart and he had written out his sermon word for word and had it manuscripted and he's going to present to them such a tremendous, strong word from God. And he gets up there the first Sunday morning that he, he gets back to his church and he says, I want to tell you something that, you know, have you ever heard that Jesus Christ, he fed... Jesus Christ fed five people with 5,000 loaves and 2,000 fishes. <laughs> and and this, 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 you know, elder man, he stood up and he raised his hands and he said, young man, and, and, and he said, the, the preacher said, can any one of you do that? And the elder man got up and he raised his hands and the preacher looked at him and he says, you're not going to commit blasphemy now to compare yourself to God. You can't do what God did. He fed five people with, with, with 5,000 loaves and 2,000 fishes. And the preacher said, the, 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 the elder man said to him, you have that wrong, sir. And he looked at him and he, for a little while and, and that elder man then corrected him and the preacher sat down and he felt really bad for what he had done and you know, they said, well, you know, it's okay, you are free to make mistakes, and you get your figures right, and you come back next week, and make sure you have that thing all down packed, and the, the next week he comes back, and he says, I want to tell you something, that Jesus Christ fed 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two small fishes, can any one of you do that? And that elder man stood up again, and he's getting, the preacher's getting upset now, you know, um, and he stood up, and he says, yes, I can, and he says, I can do that with the leftovers from last week. <laughs> but I, I, I can't do that. But I know a God who can. Amen? And I want us to, to concentrate a little bit on John chapter number 6 and to focus on this particular discourse in the Word of God. And I want to speak to us on the subject, give them all to Jesus. Give them all to Jesus. And, and I want us to understand that whatever we give to God to place at His disposal... Jesus Christ never robs, steals, or impoverishes us, but he always gives us more than we give. Do I have a witness? He always gives us more than we actually give. 
And I want us to understand in John chapter number 6 that where we find the feeding of the 5,000, that this is, apart from the resurrection of Christ, the only miracle that we find in all four Gospels. And it has to say something that is found in all four Gospels, but sometimes we get a little confused because you also find in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark that it tells us that Jesus Christ fed 4,000 people. But these are two separate occasions and instances that we find in the Word of God. And so our focus today is in John chapter number 6 and some references in the other Gospels which tells us of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But let us consider a little background of this passage because what we find happening here, it is the springtime in Israel. And of course, uh, uh, just like our Easter time and schools are out and the uh, uh, it, it is the, the time of flowering and everything is wonderful and the, the grass is growing up and the Bible tells us it is passed over and there is great pilgrimage. Of course, we know how that works in Jerusalem and, and everyone is out and it's a festive time and Jesus is at the height of his popularity. He's like a rock star. He's healing everybody. He's helping everybody. He's teaching with authority. He's doing things that have never been done before. He's saying things that people had never heard before. And Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and the Word of God says to us that in John chapter number 6, that in this particular moment in time, Jesus Christ finds himself healing and delivering and doing tremendous works that the people had never seen before. And what we find happening here is that prior to this, Jesus had sent out his disciples and, and they would come and they would say, Lord, this is what happened. And, and it's so exciting how we are seeing deliverance and we are seeing demons running and, and all of the things that, that you have told us about. But it's also a difficult time because we are also told that it is at that time that John the Baptist would have lost his hair. And of course, John the Baptist was dear to Jesus. It was his cousin and, and, and G John the Baptist had baptized Jesus Christ himself. And there is national mourning, of course, because John was the moral voice in Israel. And so at this particular time, the Word of God would say to us that Jesus Christ would desire to retreat in his grief. And he would go to a quiet place with his disciples so that he can possess all that he had been doing and what has taken place and the death of John and everything. We have to think that Jesus is the God-man. He feels. He has emotions. He's not just going to uh, uh, brush it off that John is dead, but he's going to feel the pain of grief. And many of us in this room have felt the pain of grief and the anguish and, and how difficult it is in those moments to actually go through life. And, and some people fall into deep depression. And Jesus would desire to retreat. And the Word of God would say to us that the great uh, crowds who, who, who were at the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus Christ pushed out into that little boat that day, they saw him go. And, and, and in that four mile, we are told, radius of, of that, 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 that crossing, and to the other side, they would keep an eye on him. And as they kept an eye on him, they saw when he came to the other side, and a great multitude would follow him by foot right around to the end where he would disembark. And as Jesus is disembarking from that ship, the Word of God says to us that this great multitude comes up upon him. And that is the wonderful thing that Jesus Christ is something that all of us need. Amen? 
Jesus Christ has something that no one else is able to give to us, no one else is able to deliver to us, and, and the truth is that is what the world needs. People need the Lord. Every day we pass them by and we can see it in their eyes. People need the Lord. And so this great multitude would come and, and Jesus Christ, the word of God says, he would look at them with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And you would think that in that moment that Jesus would say, listen, I don't have time. I, I am overwhelmed my own self. I'm going through difficulties. I don't have time. And he would run them away. But the word of God says that Jesus would look at them and he would cause them to sit down and he would begin to teach. This is where it all begins. He would begin to teach. And in that particular moment in time, it would become so intense that the people would stay until night. And that is a challenge that we have in our culture, that we are so busy with so many things that we have such little time for the things of God. We can't devote time to the things of God because we have so many things, as we would say in the islands, we have so many heaters in the fire. That if church goes one minute too late, we are mad. We are looking at our watches. It's time for us to go. And those people would stay there until nighttime. And there are three things I want to draw to your attention quickly from this passage. Number one. Our problems should not be magnified based on lack of resources. Your problems should not be magnified based on lack of resources. Number two, position yourself for Jesus to do something big. Position yourself for Jesus to do something big. Number one, your problems should not be magnified based on lack of resources. Number two, position yourself for Jesus to do something big. And number three, participate in God's plan by accepting his invitation. Participate in God's plan by accepting his invitation. So the first thing I want us to see here in John chapter number six, the word of God says to us that, as this crowd came upon Jesus, in verse number 5, when Jesus looked and he noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that they can eat? This, verse number 6, it says, he asked to test him. For he himself, Jesus, knew what he was going to do. Now, there is a problem. Philip looks at it and Philip says, but Lord... Where are we going to get bread to feed all of these people? And the word of God says to us that Jesus would turn it on his head and he would say, you do something about it. If there is a problem, provide a solution. But Jesus already knows exactly what he's going to do. You know, there are times in our lives when we forget that we serve a big God. Amen. And we allow our circumstances to crowd out the reality that the God whom we serve, he already has made a way. Amen. And so when we think of our problems sometimes, we look at how large our problem is instead of how large our God 
ears. I believe I'm talking to somebody today. Because there are times in our lives when we are so anxious and we are so overwhelmed and we forget what St. Paul says. Be anxious for nothing. Worry about nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. How can you be at peace when your world is falling apart? How can you say it is well when your world is falling apart? The peace of God which passes all understanding. How can you be at peace when you're pacing a hospital floor and your loved one is in a critical condition? How can you be at peace? Be anxious for nothing. For we have a heavenly Father who cares. With eyes full of... Jesus, Jesus, the Bible says, looked at them with compassion. From the time he accepted, he already knew what they needed and what he was going to do. But Philip, humanly, it looks impossible. He says, Lord, what are we going to do? You look at verse number 8. Andrew picks it up. He's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. But he says, God... There isn't anything that we can do, but there is a little lad here with five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? What can they do? They had been with Jesus. They had seen his power, but their faith had not grown in him. You see, the reality is, if they were focusing on the man Christ Jesus, they would not even ask that question. They would know that, listen, I don't know how it's going to work, but I know Jesus. And Jesus has to figure out that. That's Jesus' problem. You know, that's what we as people of God need to begin to do in our lives. Like, you know what? I don't know how this is going to work. I really don't know how it's going to work. But one thing I know, I have Jesus. So I'm going to leave that to Jesus. And I'm just going to go to sleep. I have a friend at home when we talk. I said, listen, I'm going to bed. I have something figuring out and I can't figure out I'm going to bed. She says, you're not supposed to sleep. And you can't. I said, listen, I'm going to bed. Her thing is to figure it out and go to bed. My thing is to go to bed. And by the time I wake up in the morning, it would be figured out. Amen. He said, what are they? But I want you to understand then quickly, don't let your problems be magnified because of your lack of resources. If you have Jesus, he knows before you even ask. Amen? Secondly, I want you to understand this. You have to position yourself for God to do something big. You see, there was that little boy in the crowd. We don't know much about him. The Bible doesn't tell us his name. The Bible doesn't tell us if they asked for his food, if he gave his food. It doesn't tell us, but I would imagine that in a crowd of over 5,000 people, more than one little boy had food. You don't think? I would imagine in a crowd of over 5,000 people that there were several others who had food. But this young man... He was, in my mind, not so concerned about the food, but he was more concerned about seeking God. Now, now, how is it that Simon, 
you know, Andrew is going to say, Lord, what is it among so many? Don't you just love children? Listen, I, I don't know. This is not here, but I'm going to be a little creative. I, I, let's assume that they went about asking. I don't know how it happened. Let's assume he heard the conversation or whatever, and he said, take my food. That's so nice. Like, he thinks his food can feed everybody. But, 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 but he gives up his food so that others can benefit because his objective is to seek God. And when we position ourselves for God to do something big, we take ourselves out of the equation and we allow God to work. Sometimes, sometimes we are so much in control that God can't even get in. You know some of us are control freaks. We must know the beginning to the end. And if I don't know the beginning to the end, I'm not going to be part of it. I'm not doing it. I'm not getting involved in this. I must know every single step of the way. Do I have a witness? Don't, don't answer. Don't, don't answer. <laughs> I got to know everything that's going to happen. But, but let me tell you something. There is a blessing sometimes of being in some cultures where you don't have everything. You develop a faith in God. Because you don't know where it's going to come from, and you just have to trust the process. You just have to believe that tomorrow will be better than today. And it often is better than the day before. Because you've learned to trust. You've learned what St. Paul says, in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Because you understand that God is positioning you for something that is bigger. Now, we know this little boy, not by name, but, but, but down through the ages, he has been mentioned. Because he positioned himself for Jesus to do something in his life. You see, we have to position ourselves. We don't think about leaving a name for ourselves, but we have to position ourselves for God to work through us for legacy. Legacy in your family, legacy in your church, legacy in your community. Being just obedient to God without knowing where it's going to go, how it's going to end, but just simply trusting God. One songwriter says, simply trusting every day. Trusting through a stormy way, even when my faith is small. Trusting Jesus, that is all. Singing, if my way is clear. Praying if my way be dear, if in danger for him call. Trusting Jesus, that is all. Trust him as the moments fly. Trust him as the days go by. Trusting him what ere befalls. Trusting Jesus, that is all. And that is supposed to be the prayer of every child of God. That Lord, I'm going to trust you in the darkest of nights. I'm going to position myself for you to work through me. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know what it is going to take from me, but I'm going to trust you. So I want us to understand this. Don't magnify your problems based on your lack of resources because there is a God who you are serving. Position yourself for God to work through you and do something big in your life. 
And finally, I want us to participate in God's plan and accept his invitation. In John chapter number 6 and verse 6, the word of God says to us that Jesus Christ knew what he was going to do. And I like that. It says, from the very beginning, he knew what he was going to do. And think of it, the psalmist says that God, before I knew me, you saw my unformed parts. And I always think that that is such an amazing, powerful testimony. That long before God knew us, and we sang it this morning, from life's first cry to its final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. It is sobering to think that God knows. Many a man have tried to twist the plans of God, to change it, to go a different path. But God says in Psalm 32, I will muzzle you like the mule and I will bring you into my way. Because every single one of us in this house is here for a reason. And sometimes we are not living out that purpose. We are focused on everything else except why God really has us here. We are involved in everything else except in the plan that God has ordained for our lives. And so in the midst of life challenges, Jesus is the game changer. In the midst of Andrew's and Philip's predicament and all the other disciples who are not mentioned, Jesus is the game changer. He spoke the universe into existence from nothing. Then who are you for God to take care of? He says it in the book of Matthew. Who are you? Look at verse number 22 quickly of John chapter number 6. Jesus said, I know what I was going to do. The Bible says to us that the next day, the crowd had stayed at the other side of the sea. They knew that there had only been one boat and they saw Jesus coming and he goes down. But, but I want us to go to verse um, number 26. Jesus said to them when they found him, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. And he continues and he says, I have to work the work of the one who sent me. And he says, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe in you? They ask. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I assured you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven, for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. 
You see, th those people had a physical hunger. But Jesus knew from the very beginning, he discerned that it was not the physical food to survive, but it was something greater that they were spiritually starving. And when Jesus said to the disciples, I give them something, but he knew what he was going to do, he knew exactly what the depth of the need of those people was. And sometimes when we look at the world in which we live, that is why we have people who are frantically searching. They need another chemical high. They need another circumstance. They need another job. They need another house. They need something else. They need another high. Because we are searching for something that is physical, that perishes. But Jesus offers something that is spiritual based on the starving of our souls. And that is why the songwriter says, all my life long I had panted for a drought from some clear springs that I hope would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. And it says, Hallelujah, I have found him who my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. Through his blood I know I'm saved. There is a verse that says, Feeding on the husk around me, Till my strength was almost gone, longed my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. Jesus looked at that crowd that day, and he knew that they needed more than what they thought they needed. You know you might be here today, and in your mind there is something that you need but it may only be a want. But what we truly need in these times is the peace of God. We are going to be rattled on every side. We need the peace of God where Jesus Christ says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That you don't have to seek answers from everywhere because you know the answer. And when you see all that you see around you, you'll be able to say, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. And so Jesus invites us to be part of his plan his plan of ensuring salvation in the earth. And how are we doing this? How are we carrying out the great commission that God has called us to do? The disciples missed the point. But Jesus prays that we would not miss the point today in the world in which we live. He calls us to recognize this, that our problems should not be magnified based on lack of resources. All that you think you don't have, you think you can't do, he can empower you to do it. And he asks you to start right at home with your family, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. If you truly love them and you believe in heaven. I was speaking to one, one young man recently, and him and his wife is going through a difficult time, and his wife is... Is, is a child of God, and he had professed Christianity, and, and, and I don't know, um, there was a lot of stuff in there. But one of the things he said, 
He said, you know, Pastor Connor, my wife has never one day said to me, let us pray or share Jesus with me. As much as she thinks that I am unconverted, she has never one day shared Jesus with me. Think about that. He calls us to recognize that we have the resources we need. Position yourself for God to do something big in your life and participate in the plan that God has for this world. I want us to pray and ask God today to help us in our lives to recognize that we can give everything to him. Because as long as God is there, then there is absolutely nothing else that we need. And there is absolutely nothing that we can fear. And whatever we give to God, he will give us back so much more. If you give him your life, you will find it again. You give him your family, they'll be restored. You give him whatever it is, and God will give you back so much more. Let us pray. Great God in heaven. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.